Hello ladies and gentlemen, we're back once more. It's Remember the First Time with me, Mark Rawson, my good friend, Paul Force. Hello. And also my good friend, Charlotte Pearson. Hi. How are we all doing? Uh, it's too hot. I'm not, I'm not made for this kind of hot climate. I'm sweating. It is very warm today. It is warm. And being a, being a larger gentleman myself, I, I'm with you on that, Paul. I'm, uh, I'm not appreciating it when I, uh, I squeak when I move in my chair. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> a leather bound, a leather bound chair is all, always an interesting noise in uh, in the summer heat. <laughs> but hey, it's always been the same. It's always been the same. I never liked it when I was a child, and uh, I don't like it now. Being a big fat man, so hey, that's uh, that's the way life is. I just I have to live with it. But yeah, speaking speaking of being a child, we're going back 25 years like we always do. We're going back to June 1995, and uh, we're looking at the Chemical Brothers today. So uh, how old are you? I was four. Still? Still four, yeah. I was nine and 11 months and almost 10. How old were you? <laughs> so you were nearly 10, nearly 10. I was nearly I was, 10. I, I, I'm, it's my birthday today, 26th of June, 1995. I'm 11 years old. Woo! It was a release on my birthday. 11th birthday. Yay. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the release? No, I do not. Neither no. do I. I'm not surprised <laughs> you don't, Charlotte. I don't know many four-year-olds that are into the dance. Not that type of dance music, anyway. I guess the type of dance music you get as a four-year-old is uh, kind of different. Bang on some hey Dougie, though. They are throwing some shapes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But we don't re- we don't remember the release, but I've uh, I've enjoyed getting to know the release. How about you guys? Um, Chemical Brothers for me are a seminal band. They they artists, I ought to say, I suppose. But they've they've shaped a lot of my musical trajectory in terms of who I listen to, what I listen to. So, yeah, it was exciting to go back and listen to the debut again uh, and listen to it in a way that I haven't done previously, which I suppose is more analytical. But, yeah, I was excited to listen to it. And I'm not going to lie, this is going to be one hell of a biased review from myself, but I don't care. <laughs> hey, everyone's got an opinion and we're here to give our own opinions. We're not here to we don't have we don't have any masters to answer to. We don't have an agenda that we have to follow. We can we can, we can put our own personal opinions in there. Yeah. Charlotte, how about That's you? Um uh, well again, Chemical Rivers are probably one of my favourite artists. I probably don't love them as much as you, Paul. Um but that's mainly because I came to them much later in my life. Um, their album that they released last year was probably my favourite album of the year um, but I've never really listened to their older, older stuff so this is kind of nice to actually listen to this and get to know what they were like when they first started Yeah, Mom, yeah. I'm, I'm the same I I did not know this album at all I'd never listened to it as an album I knew two of the tracks on there um, and I really like Chemical Brothers after this 
I'm still to make my judgment on this album, I've got to admit. But we'll go into that as we make our way through the episode. When I first heard it, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. It's grown on me, though. There are parts of it that I really enjoy, but there's parts of it that get to me a little bit and I wasn't the biggest fan of. Well, let's smash into it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the album then, Paul. What makes you such a big Chemical Brothers fan? Uh, Well, I, I came to Chemical Brothers... Um, from uh, the Surrender album, Hey Boy, Hey Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, Hey Girl, Hey Boy, I think is the actual title. And I always found the way that they were using samples and, and converting old older sounds and creating this new, heavier, aggressive sound in times, but also quite psychedelic in other times, especially on the, on the Surrender album, to be something that really excited me. I was, I'd, I'd grown up with an older brother that was massively into his house music. I spent a lot of my childhood and early teens listening uh, to him DJing in the attic room of our house. I was in the room below, so I'd just hear this constant thumping of bass um, and a lot of attack as he didn't know how to mix properly. Um, But for me, listening to early Prodigy, early uh, Chemical Brothers, that was all probably uh, unconscious. I didn't realize I was listening to them, but then the older I get, the the older I got, the more I was like, "Oh wait, I recognize this song. Where do I recognize it from?" And then I'd scoop through my brother's collections and I'd find things like um, Industrial Trust in his collection, and I'd realize that you know, he'd been playing this music whilst I was still only about you know nine, ten, about the age, obviously, when these uh, songs were being released for the first time. So it, it's kind of been with me before I even realized it was with me. And yeah. it's quite nice to go back to it and hear how this has really Im- impacted on the music that I listen to now. Um, and also to hear some of the influences. Like, you, without wanting to go on too much of a tangent, the brand new Idols track that has come out. Oh, wonderful it, track. It, it holds a heavy debt to um, the Chemical Brothers, I think, in the way that they are, are working the guitar. I think there's a lot of Roland 303. That, that has been used on this new record by Idols, but yeah, their their influence is everywhere. Noel Gallagher's new stuff since he's left Oasis again, heavily influenced by Chemical Brothers. But this album, without wanting to wax too lyrical about it, changed modern dance music and changed dance music to suddenly make it accessible to a massive demographic of working class white men that. Although they've been maybe listening to dance music whilst on drugs, were suddenly listening to it in the car because it was on the radio in the middle of the day. And I think it opened up a lot of people that might not have listened to it because it was seen as something for dance heads or druggies to suddenly have them able to listen to it on mainstream radio. Well, first of all, what a, what a tribute to it that is. It's clear how much you love the album and the sound. But one, one thing I just put out to us in there I think is quite interesting is I, one, one of the things I was going to say today is one of the reasons that I think I have not negative feelings to it, why it hasn't warmed to me at certain parts of the album is probably because of the situations that I'm listening to it. So I think had I been listening to parts of the album well, maybe not going out clubbing, etc., but just maybe having a few drinks, getting ready to go out maybe, or while I'm out drinking with friends, I think I would have warmed to it a hell of a lot quicker 
rather than the likes of having it on in the background while I'm doing some work or taking the dog for a walk, which is pretty much all <laughs> I do right now. Because I live quite the um, boring existence compared to younger years and compared yeah. to what this music was made for. So it's it's interesting that you say that because I, 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 I can see um, how great these tracks are, but I haven't fallen into them almost. But I haven't got that history of them as such. I've, Chemical Brothers for me are, again, around the Hey Girl, Hey Boy um, era. From there, absolutely loved those tracks and the bigger tracks. I never got into the albums hugely until the likes of, say, Push the Button. I absolutely love that album. And what was the album before Push the Button? Um, but early noughties type Chemical Brothers, really, really enjoyed them then. But pre that, just never really just known well known about them but just never paid any attention to them yeah I, I i get that completely um charlotte you know you obviously you were full when this album came out you said you came to them a lot earlier uh, sorry a lot later um coming to them now well coming to this debut album now what does it sound like to you what are your thoughts on it um well can we come for this for me i didn't really come to them until i was probably in my early 20s I didn't really get into like a dance music sound until I was about 18 at uni. Um, and the first actual album that I listened to all the way through was the album that I listened to last year, No Geography, that they released. And that was a great album. I love that album so much. Um, so I was a little bit, I don't know. Skeptical? Yeah, I didn't know how good these earlier albums would be and whether it would kind of live up to my expectations of the album that I'd kind of grown to love last year. Um, and although this is completely different and you can tell that it's very much a product of the mid-90s, I think it's a great thing to listen to and it's a great place to start and see where they've come from to where they've got to now. You can really hear it's like the early genesis of some of their more recent tracks throughout this if you listen to little bits of it you can hear things that are taken from the surrender album or from no geography and it seems like they they were playing around with their sound and even as they've progressed throughout their career like what 25 30 years on whatever they're still going back to their early stuff and going how can we make that better that was really cool how can we incorporate that into something new now so I think it's cyclical and I think it's actually really good to get to know who they were then to inform who they are now and get a bit more of an understanding of Chemical Brothers as an entire, well, their entire back catalogue and as an artist, really. Mm. Yeah, I think they've grown as, like you say, Charlotte, they've grown as an artist, but in, in my opinion, I feel they have got better as artists, not just grown, because you can grow as an artist and not necessarily like their new stuff compared as much as they also but for, me, for my te- my own taste i prefer later stuff than this earlier stuff of chemical brothers i i agree but i think it's contextual isn't it you, you're talking about an album made by two two men in their early to mid 20s that have been making music after they met at university they've got all this energy they've got all this enthusiasm and intelligence and ability to make music it's going to be different to two men making music now in their 50s. You know, the scene changes, experiences change. Of course. You know, but the music that they're making then is music that they wanted to listen to. And it's music that was 
informed by the things that they had been listening to. You know, their their influences are, are massive and continue to be massive. They take samples from so many different decades, and they take they take sample they take samples from the modern era. They take samples right the way back to you know the sixties and seventies. <laughs> Beethoven, yeah, from the the nineteenth century. Yeah. <laughs> Beethoven's true. You're absolutely right. They yeah. they sample Beethoven. Not on this album, though. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I mean, you you raise a good point, Mark, about how the the context of when you're listening to it, walking the dog, you know, pottering around your house in the middle of a pandemic, it's not going to give you the same feeling in your chest, in your heart, as you know, listening either to the to the singles in the club or you know, listening to the album. On, on the evening before going out, but you know, that's that's the same for every every piece of music. I, I would say it's, yeah. it's dependent on how you listen to it. No, that's very true. It's not just this album that I think that about. It's it's the same for Eddie. It's, it, most albums, I well, actually, if I'm listening to something and then something pretty mellow, pretty chilled out, yes, the, the ideal time to be doing that is just chilling out at home, relaxing. But yeah, an, an album that's more upbeat, you're not going to have the same experience of it, like you say, just. Uh, yeah. When you're just living your day to day life squeaking along on your leather chair. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But that's right. that's not to say that it's a poor album in its slightest. I really enjoy part of it. I just there's certain elements of it that I haven't warmed to as much of as others. There's certain tracks I don't like as much as there's some tracks that I find a bit too repetitive for my own liking. Um, but then there's some there's some great tracks on there as well. What's um what what are your what are your highlights of the album? What I really like is in the opener, Leave Home. Um there's a real cyclical nature to it in the fact that house music, dance you know, the very essence of dance music was formed from uh Detroit and Chicago. Uh the the black gay community not being able to go to uh clubs having nowhere to go. So they formed in, this is a very succinct you know, a uh, short history of, of house music, but the, the 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 black gay community in Chicago and Detroit had nowhere to go, so they formed their own um, their own parties. Um, and one of the things that really informed their parties was craftwork uh, grow going over um, and performing in America. And there's uh, footage of um, the black community in Detroit um, dancing to craftwork. And then later sampling Kraftwerk to create their own music on their own synthesizers, and the opening track "Leave Home" samples Kraftwerk's "Home Sweet Home," which has this, like I say, this beautiful cyclical nature. It is, it's dance music coming back on itself, and it's being shown that you know it, it's like Charlotte said about it being cyclical. It's it's sampling the the Godfathers of the sound to make their own sound, which they then become subsequently seen as the Godfathers of this big beat sound that they create. So. You know, it's it's just history informing history, informing history. It, I, I really like that. I, it, it seems poetic almost. I get that. I get that. How about yourself, Charlotte? Um, I think for me, I quite and you kind of mentioned this to me as well, Paul. So I'm kind of going to steal it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what it sounds like to me is the first six songs kind of feel like this mini mixtape sort of thing, which I think has been banded around a little bit online in places. Um, but it kind of feels like the night out, you're in the warehouse or whatever, some sort of club or something, 
festival feels, whatever it is. Um, you know, and there's the upbeat, there's the dancing, there's the having the great time with friends, whatever. And then the rest of the album after that kind of feels like the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like that chill, more chilled out vibe. You just got back home. You're just thinking about how great a time you had last night with your friends, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of like that they've kind of tried to cover both aspects of what was going on at the time with the acid house warehouse parties and like dance becoming more mainstream and moving into the festival field and trying to capture that and put it into an album so that people who might not have experienced it before are getting to experience it in some way, even if it's just through playing a CD on the stereo. Yeah, I mean, track eight is literally called One Too Many Mornings. Yeah, yeah. that's one of my favourites on that. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that the, this format. Uh, exactly what you said, Charlotte, about the, it's almost an album of two halves. It's playing two, like you say, the night out and then the following morning. Personally, I love Leave Home. really gets me going. After that, I'm less of a fan of it until we get into that second half. I'm, I much prefer the second half myself than the first half of the album. From sort of Chico's groove onwards, I started um, enjoying the album a lot more. But again, as we said, I, I think that's probably due to circumstance and the fact that it's 2020, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm sat at home listening to it. I'm not getting ready to... I'm not out. I'm not with friends enjoying it. I'm just sat listening to it while I do a bit of work or while I cook the tea. No one's stopping you standing in the shed in the dark, Mark. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I'll see you. On, I'll see you on Friday then. You you can be one of my you can be one of my six and come down, but only I can stand in the shed. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> it's only a few meters square shed anyway. <laughs> I've actually got rid of my shed. <laughs> no, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to have to be an outside rave. Oh well. <laughs> So in terms of who Chemical Brothers are, Mark, do you, do, you, do you find it do you find it strange that maybe two history students from that that are studying in Manchester would became so obsessed with like eighties hip hop and seventies funk, or do you think it's just you know at some point someone was gonna throw back against the current what was then the current rave sound and create something new yeah i mean i i don't think it's strange that they did it at all i mean at the end of the day they're two friends at university that both share an uh, a passion for that sound and they want to create something of their own so that's isn't that how most bands are formed basically or most artists are formed um so yeah i'm i'm up for anybody doing what they want paul well they've been they've obviously been going around as the dust brothers um Pride to be in the Chemical Brothers, but ironically, given that they were sampling the Beastie Boys in um, in one of their tracks, they actually had to change their name to the Chemical Brothers because the Beastie Boys production team were called the Dust Brothers and they weren't allowed to share the same name. I didn't realise it was... I knew there'd been some copyright issue or some, some issue over the name with someone else having it. Well, I knew that from doing my research ahead of today. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise it was the Beastie Boys producers that there was that conflict. Do you think it's aged well, the album? Um, well, personally, I think it's very much of its time. Um, it's a clearly a 90s album. You can hear that massively. Um, 
so in that respect, you could say, well, it's not really aged well because it's really obvious that where it's come from. But at the same time, because it's influenced so much of their music that's come from it, um, you know, in the last 20 years or whatever, and it's also influenced so many other people, and this sounds kind of relevant again now, so many people are going back to the sort of, like, acid house sound. I guess in a way it kind of sounds like it could be released today. So it's kind of in that weird position where mm. it's probably not aged well, but at the same time it's it has aged well or become some sort of beacon to listen to and utilise and, I don't know, aim to produce something as good as this again. I, I, I agree for the most part in that. I think it's... I think the issue is because it became the blueprint, it became like you say, the beacon of that sound, that heavy compression on the bass line, the sampling of the guitar, that rave and roll sound, for want of a better, better term, that lots of other artists started either aping or, or, or doing themselves. It has made it sound almost two of its time, but that's simply because so many artists of a similar ilk started copying it. So what you meant to do, you know, what was it to say about um, uh, about copying, about imitation? It's the uh, highest level of flattery. You know, yeah. if people are going to copy your sound, it means that you're doing something good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I I couldn't agree more with both of you. I think it's just got a very ninety sound, but I I don't think that means it hasn't aged well. It's it's very much uh, a a sound of its genre. It's very much it's it's when I say it's a sound of a genre, it's a sound that's kicked off a genre um but yeah. it's it's yeah it's 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 it is what it is it's it's a, it's a great a great a great sound it's something that's probably not the highest on my preferences but it's it's um yeah it's a great it's a great sound i, I don't think it's aged poorly but it's certainly um uh, part of a certain era i think what you have to remember is without the chemical brothers um that 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 brought along this sound, then you don't have, uh, you don't arguably you don't have Fatboy Slim, you don't have uh the Prodigy, and this is these three particularly in America suddenly breaking into breaking the dance music scene across you know the wider American music, uh genres, um, and you don't have after that so many artists, uh, DJs and 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 dance artists. Uh, making dance music accessible to, a, again, a particular demographic. And this is not to suggest that dance music wasn't popular in America. As I say, house music is literally born in Detroit and Chicago. But the this sound created a mass appeal for that that genre to be eaten up and commercialised, literally commercialised. Mm. You know, Fatboy Slim songs, Chemical Brothers songs were used Throughout commercials, throughout trailers, throughout films, in the so they're on every album. And I can just sorry, every album. I can just remember the likes of, like you say, Chemical Brothers, um, Fatboy Slim, Prodigy. They were on every advert for about four years. Exactly. <laughs> Almost every teen comedy had Fatboy Slim in in it in the soundtrack in some way. It's just what you meant to do. You know, you you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You create a sound that's popular. You have to accept that you've created a sound that's popular. Not everyone's going to enjoy it, or not everyone's going to be happy with your success. Doesn't mean that you don't deserve it, and it doesn't mean that the sound that you made isn't good. It's just sometimes it becomes too ubiquitous. What are you going to do about it? 
Fantastic. Okay. That's what we've got to say about the album so far. Who have we got coming on to talk to us, Paul? So this episode, I spoke with Damien Harris. Damien Harris is the creative director of Skint Records. Skint Records uh, was created by Damien and a few other people in the 90s. They are uh, most famously known for having Fatboy Slim on their roster, as well as um, artists such as Rushy Murphy, who was in Maloko, uh, and Hercules and Love Affair, just to name a few others. Um, but Skint Records were the big pioneers, as well as Chemical Brothers, of the big beat sound. Um, so I spoke to Damien about uh, that genre during the 90s, as well as the big beat boutique night, which was run down in Brighton during the period. Uh, and all about sort of the legacy of his music and uh, and the, and where it is now. As a bonus, though, because this interview went on so long, we're going to release the full interview as a separate episode after this one. Excellent. Let's have a listen. Sound. Do you think there's a legacy to the record label and to the sound that you guys helped create and then define? Oh, how long have we got? I don't <laughs> know. I um, it's a funny one. I often get a little bit annoyed, and I I used to spend a lot of time stressing and worrying about it far too much. Um, there's a lot of it hasn't aged well. And I, you know, whilst <clears throat> whilst there's, you know, a lot of people around who enjoy it, it, it didn't, I don't feel it got the recognition it deserved because it was sort of, I think people felt it was a bit of a, a, a laugh and a bit of a joke. Okay, so to listen to that interview in full with Damien Harris, make sure you check out our feed in the next few days as we'll be putting out the full interview. Coming back to the album, though, with concentrating on Chemical Brothers, Exit Planet Dust, uh, we are hitting those beats big. Did they get it right with the singles? <laughs> Leave home and life is sweet. It shocks me that there were just two singles from now. I know. I, well, sorry. It did shock me when I learnt this, when I saw it, but I, then I was also like, hmm, it kind of didn't shock me as well, if you know what I mean. It's just a bit different to only have two singles from from an album. So perhaps they're like, yeah, we'd, we'd, we want people to enjoy the album as a whole rather than singles. I get that. It's, it's like a almost like a concept album, like Charlotte said earlier. 
Yeah, I'm just glad they didn't go for five like super grafted because that's just over. <laughs> that's standard now. It is. You want three, four at a Chemical. push. Yeah. Chemical Brothers booking the trend though and just doing what they perhaps, want. Perhaps usual. perhaps the single quote to have been taken from the year. They were like, Oh my word, super grass have taken all them singles up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. CDs are expensive in the nineties, so yeah. yeah. Three quid a single. Well, three ninety nine. Come on, three ninety nine a single. Really? Yeah, that's how I remember the use of it. I'm sure. I think. Well, I think that's what they progressed to. I, I do remember them being cheaper when I was younger, but three ninety nine for a single, man, it's expensive when you when you've got um, no money. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, in terms of the singles, I don't know. I, I throw it open to you guys. Does anyone think that anything else should have been for, released? For me, Leave Home is right. Very yeah, it's correct. I think it's definitely got to be one of the singles. It's it's one of those tracks where it's a great album opener um because it gets you gets you pumping to begin with. Um and yeah, I think it's it, it sells the album um for me. Um Life is sweet. Yeah, I like I like the track. I wouldn't necessarily say it stands out more than others on there, but I do like the track. How about you, Charlotte? Uh, I agree with Leave Home. I think it makes complete sense. It's kind of like Chemical Brothers being like, hi, we're the Chemical Brothers. Pay attention to us because we're going to create some great music and you're going to love it. And that's kind of like what they're trying to set out of their stall straight away. Um, but in terms of Life is Sweet, I think it's too long for a single. and I don't really think it stands out. It kind of shocks me that they didn't release Chemical Beats. Mm-hmm. Or Three Little Birds. Like, I think they're much stronger songs. Um, and I think they probably would have gone down better in the scene at the time. I don't know. Um, but that's just my thoughts anyway. I just, yeah, I don't think Life is Sweet is the best option. I like Life is Sweet, but I agree. I'm surprised that Three Little Birds uh, wasn't wasn't released. I, I kind of get why they didn't release Industry Trust, simply because it had been out there as a white label before they'd, before they'd even been the Chemical Brothers. It was when they were the Dust Brothers. Um, so I kind of understand why they didn't release that one. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't really argue too much with that. I think it would have been too uh, against the grain to release um, something like uh, Alive Alone with Beth Orton. I think it's a good closer, but uh, I can't really see any other standouts. Um, I think Alive Alone, for me, reminds me of Protection by Matthew. Massively so. Massive. <laughs> I was going to say that at some point. Massively so. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it seems for me, it felt a little sad. Yeah. Simply because I appreciate that Beth Orton's got quite a, she's got quite a melancholy voice. It's a beautiful kind of dreamy melancholy voice that she has. But, you know, just the title itself and, and that kind of, almost the, the suggestion that after this night of uh, collective musical hedony, uh, hedonism that that in the in the end everyone's still back to their own little lives. That's what I was just about to say exactly that. So leave home. You're starting off. It's a Friday night. You finish work. You're going crazy. Industrial trust through lid one. Three little birdies. It's taking the weekend like to its max, isn't it? And then you've got your sheet goes groove, which is the next day. You're recovering. Alive alone is Monday morning. You're just crying in your car on the way to work. <laughs> Am I am I am I being naive here or am I being cynical? And am I thinking that birdies was was slang for a particular drug at some point? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just, you know, projecting and assuming that. 
I don't know. I feel like somewhere I've heard that birdies was like, you know, slang for ecstasy. I never knew that. I never knew that. I mean, there's obviously um, influences of chemicals um, throughout this album and throughout that scene. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Um, But yeah, I've never heard that. No. Well, I mean, there's there's a reason why there's a subgenre called acid mm-hmm. house, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I I haven't really got much else that I could suggest really for the singles. I think I think they do right. I think it shows it shows a new side of them whilst being familiar to those people that. Well, sorry, it, it presents who they are whilst showing something new to those people that were already familiar with them. And like I say, they've been around. Anyone that knows the scene knows that they were the Dust Brothers. I mean, the, the, the title of the album itself, Exit Planet Dust, is clearly a nod and, an, and a joke to the fact that they were the Dust mm-hmm. Brothers originally, and they're, and they're leaving that behind. So, yeah, I, I, I think that even though it's only two singles, it, it works. And again, like you've both said, it does force the listener to aim to listen to the album as a whole, you would argue, and that makes it that makes the whole piece work better. And that reflects the fact that Chemical Brothers have always been more about a uh, holistic, artistic experience. It's not just about the music, it's about the event that you're going to, it's about the visuals, it's, it's everything. They, they've always thought of their music as being not just music, but being everything that comes with it. Okay, so... Critically, how was it received? Looking at these reviews, very well, I would suggest. Q, four out of five. The Guardian, four out of five. Rolling Stone aren't finding it as much fun. Only three out of five. And Select have given it four out of five. You think those are fair? I think four out of five is fair. I think three out of five is a little harsh. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Rolling Stone, though, it'd be like sending smash hits and expecting it to get five out of five. You've got to know your demographic. Rolling Stone probably aren't going to give it four out of five, five out of five. I agree. It's not a perfect album, but it does set the the bar super high for the big beat sound. Oh. And it moves on the rave scene to what it becomes for that period, which is heavy compression, lots of synths, lots of sampling. They'd always been sampling, but not the way that they'd been layered up like this and not the way that they'd been manipulated like this. This was a new level of, of, of engineering, as it were, which is why a lot of DJs at the time that had just been cross-fading uh, and, and beat-matching a lot of their tracks didn't like them because they were essentially sound engineers manipulating sounds live as they were working their live sets, which I find extraordinary because they clearly are fantastic mm, DJs. Mm, certainly. Okay. Do you know the story oh. when they played... I- for the first time. Do you know the story of what, sorry? When the Chemical Brothers played IB for the No, first tell time. me. So they are they, they went to IB for in the mid nineties, uh, and they'd been working on a set for weeks that they that in their eyes had uh tuned to perfection and they're on the beach at one of the clubs at nine in the morning, Sunday morning, nine in the morning, doing their set and about half an hour to an hour in the manager of the club came over and insisted that they had to stop because the clubbers were crying, literally crying, saying it's too weird, can you stop it? Because they're playing stuff like 
Barry White at the wrong tempo at nine in the morning whilst everyone's coming down. <laughs> Amazing. And they, they, they were literally hauled off the stage. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But, but I'm glad they didn't give up. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that gives you the kind of idea about how different what they were doing was compared to a lot of the other DJs at the time. You know, these super clubs like Ministry of Sound and Pasha were setting themselves up. And along to come these two lads from Manchester, well, studied in Manchester and making these weird samples of, of 70s funk. Excellent, excellent. I Yeah, I don't know what to say to that story, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so critically, it was uh, acclaimed, I think it's fair to say. Um, what did the great... The, I was about to say, what did the great Unwashed think of it? What did the great British public think of it? <laughs> The surfs thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know why that literally well, nearly came out of my mouth then. Uh, what did... direct, direct, your, direct your social media campaign to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I left Twitter a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what did the great British public think of it? <laughs> um, okay, so we had some <laughs> a lot of people talking about what the album meant to them. So we had Bowler's Grip on Reddit said it is their biggest and best album, chills every time. Oh, to hear it. Um, Leave Home and Three Little Birdies are straight fire. That's what the kids say nowadays. Although okay. saying that, that guy's clearly older than us. He's, well, you say that, but he might be younger than us and he's just got a very good, wide knowledge of music. That's true, yeah. So, anyway. He's older. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Avav, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, sorry if not, um, it was part of what made 1995 great. It was also the first CD ever MP3'd. Out of all the CDs I had, it was my choice in 1995 to see if I could make a whole CD converted into MP3. The world didn't know about MP3 yet, but some of it did know about Shockwave Audio, which was the first commercial license of Fraunhofer's MP3 technology. Wow. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm trying to think, 1995 MP3s, Jesus. I remember first witnessing an MP3, probably about 97, 98-ish. Is this a guy that actually worked for like Microsoft or Shockwave or something? Yeah, he worked while working on Shockwave at Macromedia. He had an exclusive license for MP3 for the first year. So that's so, pretty cool. Exit Planet Dust is the first MP3... Ever, ever, ever converted from a CD? Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's what this guy did. He converted it into from CD to. I wonder MP3. if that was the first ever, ever. Well, it's the, oh, it's the very first converted one. That's insane. Nice. Good title for the chems there. Uh, and then finally, we had the email from Mark, who said, "Not that Mark. <laughs> not you, Mark." <laughs> um, it was what got me into electronic music. I picked it up as an enemy freebie when I was 10 and instantly fell in love with it. It was so different from anything else I'd listened to. And that that's basically the same. Me and Mark have clearly had this very similar experience. It'll be it, he heard it a few years before me. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, I'm glad you were... Uh... I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for getting in touch and uh, giving your views. Please continue to do so. Before we move on, I'm just going to revisit one little feature um, part of the show. 
Where are we going to put this album in the Remember the First Time chart? So, if I'm right, the chart at the moment is number one, Oasis, uh, with their yep. debut. Number two, Pulp, with... His and hers. Um, hers. Thank you. Uh, number three is Massive Attack, with um, uh, Protection. Correct. And number four is Manix, yep. with... Holy Bible. Holy Bible. God, I can't remember album titles. And number five is Blur. No. With uh, Modern Life. No, 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 no. No. Five is Supergrass. I should Coco. Ah, sorry. Number five is Supergrass. I should Coco. Number six is yes, Blur. Yes, with okay. Part Life. Um, Where are you popping it? I, for me, given how important it is in changing dance music, I'm putting it in number three above Massive Attack. Wowzers. Wowzers, indeed. How about yourself, Charlotte? Well, I would have put it at number two because I feel like it's on a similar level to what Oasis did for Britpop and that genre and the influence it's had. Um, I think it's similar, but obviously for the big beat, dancey sort of world instead. So that's why I think it. Need, I think that's why I think it needs to go quite far at the top, number two for me. Okay, I I am. Um... I appreciate everything it's done for its sound and the whole genre that's quite of it and everything the Chemical Brothers have done. I but I also put my own opinion in there, which brings it down somewhat. I'm gonna go at number six. I know. I knew I was I knew there was gonna be a gas. I, I appreciate everything it did for its sound, but I'm putting my own personal opinion in there as well. I think I I think which albums, this is the Remember the First Time charts, which albums am I most likely to listen to? And I, it, it, for me, it's between six and seven, even. <gasps> but I'm not, I, we can't all agree on everything. We can, life would be boring. <laughs> life would be boring if we all agreed on everything. So where are we going to compromise? <laughs> We're going to find the average. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm getting calculated. It's four, the average. Two plus three plus seven is 12. Divided by three is four. Well, I'm, I can live with putting it in fourth. Yeah. I, but I'm going to hunt you down. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, I, if the average... If the average is fourth, then the average is fourth. That's and that's where it, it goes. And it's a good place to be. It's, it's in good company. I still feel sorry for Blur's Park Life. I don't think it's a bad album, but it's sitting down there at the bottom. Well, it, it, it shouldn't have been a crap album, <laughs> should it? It's not a crap album, but let's not get into that discussion. If you want, if you want, to, <laughs> if you want to know what we think about it, do listen to some of our earlier episodes, but don't comment on how poor the audio quality is. Because you know what, <laughs> we've heard you, <laughs> and we've ignored you. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a, it's a. We're all learning here. We're all learning. Okay, coming up next, we've got the quiz. Time. Paul, I believe you have the quiz ready. What format have we gone for? 
So, we're quizzing. Oh. Right then. So, dead simple. I'm going to go through some of the album chart information that I've got for the uh, for the album. Mm-hmm. And based on the fact that it hit the UK album charts, its peak position was nine in the album charts. I'm going to go between you and I'm going to get you to tell me whether it's higher or lower. So, starting with Charlotte. Hi. UK album charts, position nine was its peak position. Yeah. Higher or lower? Belgian album charts. I should only say lower, I think. You're correct, 49. Ooh. One point to you. That is a lot lower. Mark? Yo. From the Belgian album charts to the Dutch album charts, higher or lower than position 49. Oh, you're wrong. It was position 77. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, that's 1-0 to Charlotte. So, Charlotte, back to you. From the Dutch album charts to the New Zealand album charts, higher or lower than position 77? Higher? Oh, that's two for two. That's 42. 42 in the album charts. Not bad. Mark, you're almost playing for pride here. (laughs) Even though we've got the UK album charts, I've got the Scottish album charts here. <laughs> so, Scottish album charts, higher or lower than... F- Stop Googling I'm not things. Googling I can hear you um, right, what number <laughs> am I going from again? I can't remember what you said. Okay, so the, the Kiwi chart, um, Exit Planet does hit a peak position of... I'm going higher in Scotland. Always back with a point. Scottish album Boom. charts, it was at a peak of 24. Right. Okay, so... The Swedish chart, Charlotte. I mean, you've won, to be fair, because Mark can't can't equal this. But the Swedish album charts, higher or lower than position 24? I'm going to say lower. You're wrong. Oh, hang on. I can draw. You can draw? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in it for you the draw. I haven't got any more data, mate. You can't have... That's not fair. You can't have an uneven... <laughs> Charlotte won because she had more the... questions. <laughs> I will give you the opportunity to draw. Okay. Okay. The opportunity to draw is this. <laughs> I'd love to see a penalty shootout nearest... in your rules, Paul. <laughs> to the nearest 100,000, yeah. how many album sales in the United Kingdom has Exit Planet Dust sold? Whatever. Ever. Right, so this is kind of unfair because there was a stat on the running order. Now, the running order is actually turned off on my iPad, so I'm not reading this, but I think it said 300,000. Oh. I'm going to say so I can remember things from at least five minutes ago. That is reassuring. (laughs) All right, then. Okay, to get the point, to the nearest... And I will give you a leeway of 5,000 either side. How many how many units have been sold of this album in America? Mark? Oh, I'm going to go for 820,000. Charlotte? Um, 
What should be 725? <laughs> Bang in the middle. <laughs> it was 750. Oh, yes! Which means... That means I'm closest. It does. It makes Mark the Woo-hoo! closest. Woohoo! <laughs> the least worst answer. <laughs> See, you could have made that game. The, the fun one's always the closest without going over. Then Charlotte would have won. But hey, yeah. I didn't make yeah. up the rules. Sorry, Charlotte. <laughs> I barely made up the rules. Okay, so that's a point to mark. Yes. Again. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I've spotted the pattern here. Either I win or Charlotte wins. <laughs> yeah. Whoever wins, I lose. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's nearly time to go, but before we do, we've got a small matter of bringing out our latest tracks for the Remember the First Time playlist. That's right. Who are you? Uh, so what are we going to go for the um, out track off this album first? I've forgotten which way around we normally do it. Yeah, let's do the track from this album first. Okay. For me, it's got so, to be Leave Home. For me, it probably, well, in terms of personal favourites, it'd be Chemical Beats or Three Little Birds, but I, I think I'm kind of happy with Leave Home. I was going to suggest Industry Trust simply because it's, it's like the older statesman, but I'm, I don't mind Leave Home as well. I can live with leave home being added. Let's go for it. If you're both sure. Leave home is being added to the Remember the First Time podcast playlist. Fantastic. And uh, it's going to join some other great tracks on there. I've been listening to it this week even, enjoying those sounds while I'm working. What um, what other tracks that you're currently listening to are you going to add? Uh, so for me, it was kind of difficult to choose this because there's so much good music out at the moment. Um, but I went for the new song by Disclosure called Energy, mainly because I feel like Disclosure have a lot to thank the chemical yeah. Brothers for. Um, <laughs> this new track especially. Yeah, let's face it. If there wasn't Chemical Brothers, I doubt Disclosure would even exist. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to put that on. But I kind of just want to give a little honourable mention to my second favourite track, which is not going to go on, but I think you should listen to it anyway. Um, is Flume and Taroe Moi track called The Difference, which is very, very good. And listen no, to I'll it. chuck it on there as well for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are rules and we stick to the rules. Ooh, okay. Rules. Okay. What about you, Paul? Mark? Oh, go on. You go ahead. Me? Oh, I'm going to add yeah. something completely different to that, but it's a track I just can't stop listening to at the minute. It is um, Little Brother by Bamily. Mm. Never have a listen to it. Tell me what you think and get it on the playlist. It's Bamily, it's family spelt with a B. And the track is Little Brother, and I'm not just enjoying that track, I'm enjoying all of their stuff that's currently available. They don't have an album out, they've got a couple of EPs out on Spotify at the minute. And yeah, it's uh, worth checking out, but Little Brother is my track for the month. Cool. Nice. Okay, well, I was kind of in the same boat as Charlotte. I didn't know who to choose. I, I ended up putting four tracks that I liked on Twitter and asking people to vote on which one they preferred. And I feel it was kind of... I feel it it was cohorted by one of the artists themselves because they responded saying, I'd vote for me. So <laughs> it kind of... That one got chosen, but I can't really argue with that because it's brilliant. And it's um, by an artist called Shura, 
Um, that's S-H-U-R-A, Shura. But it's a remix of one of their tracks by a guy called Gabe Guernsey. And Gabe Guernsey has been just making some of the best remixes of the last sort of 18, 24 months that I've heard in a long time. He's been working with Working Men's Club. He's been... Uh, everything that he puts his hand to is brilliant. And this is, like I say, a remix for sure by Gabe Guernsey, and it's called Religion. You can pl- You can lay your hands on me. And again, that's really influenced by a lot of old school Detroit house and 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 breakbeat. It's a great track. Excellent. You're gonna be you're gonna be amazed when you hear Bamily because it has not been influenced by house. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a folk track? No, it's really not. Just I'll 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 wait for your opinion on it. You'll either love it or you'll hate it. <laughs> How about we uh, bring something new into the mix? I like this idea of putting something out to the people on Twitter. How about next month we uh, have an additional track added to the playlist and get uh, some of our uh, followers to uh, vote on what that track is? Mm, we can do that. Why not? Yeah. Well, we'll have to tell them where they can get in touch with us. Yeah, that would be a good idea. How can you do that, Paul? So they can follow us on Twitter at, uh, at RTF Time. Um, that's the same handle as well for instagram at rtf time um they can email us at rtf time podcast at gmail.com um and i mean to be fair they can just stop us in the street as well if they so wished but yeah rtf two meter distance oh isn't it one plus now yeah how's the cocktail yeah yeah or more (laughs) you had a 10 meter social distance prior to anything so pretty much yeah. yeah Well, yeah, um, Twitter and Instagram, it's at RTF time. Fantastic. Okay. Well, any more for any more? Uh, if you're listening to this and you like us, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Really appreciate it. If you give us five stars, it helps us get found by other listeners and it also makes us feel rather good as well it does we like we and like the people know. that give us five star reviews anybody else is anyone else is all right but hey the five star people are the best definitely okay charlotte any more from yourself uh well maybe we should inform people what the next album oh, is that's a very good point and poor me for not yeah. remembering that what is the next album gonna be it's gonna be garbage's eponymous album garbage uh, in summer of 1995 and uh, it's next to come up so I'm looking forward to that, it's big news to remember the first time because it's the first American, first non-British artist with an American band coming on board I'm still arguing this because of Shirley Manson being Scottish but yeah, woo post <laughs> <First> grunge <laughs> excellent, well, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to that and looking forward to giving my thoughts on it next time round so that's all from us for now. Thank you for joining us once more. If you stuck to the end, we like you even more. You're nearly up there with the five-star review, guys. Um, <laughs> it's uh, To end on a note, we're going to say shortly before it's released, Ed Simon said to music that nobody from the dance world has come up with an album to reflect these times. Why is that? Why is it left to a group like Oasis to express the way that young people want to go out and get battered every weekend? That's what the Chemical Brothers are about. That's what most people are about, Ed, and I wish that we could all do that right now. Hope this lockdown's over soon, folks. Hope to see you all soon, and uh, goodbye from me.
It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. We'll see you next time. <laughs>